It's a good show. This is Essie Jane and Patrick Glenn. And you're listening to Andras Jones on Radio, Radio 8-Ball. 8-Ball. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball. Give us a shake. We're in the studio tempting fate. Wherever you are, putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select here. With the help of our friend Synchronicity, and now it's time for Radio Ball. Give us a shake. It's a Radio Ball show. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, and we're here at Blue Light Studios in Vancouver, British Columbia, with our new friend, musical guest, Sarah Wheeler. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure having you, and you have invited several of your friends and compatriots to join us here on the show and one of them is here with us now he is a singer songwriter and uh he's actually a composer a composer i'm sorry that's okay well correct me it's a mark Haney. i thought i was upgraded welcome, for a minute that's welcome cool. to, i think composer is... outranks singer songwriter <laughs> not not in cool points i, I felt myself uh... getting cooler instantly <laughs> it's like an instant fonzie up or something is there a is there a grass is always greener thing for composers and singer songwriters? Because I feel like a singer songwriter is like the least cool thing. Really? As do, as do I. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I've got to readjust when all I my see, goals When here. I see people, when I see like it written, when I used to tour and I'd be like singer songwriter Andras Jones, I'm like, oh, oh, brutal, I, brutal. No it's one's brutal. going to that. No, no. <laughs> really? Just, no, it just kind of makes you think of tears. This is like that moment in The Wizard of Oz where the curtain opens. I, I'm oh. so disillusioned. Oh. You guys are the cool kids to me. This is this is where it's at. I don't know. Well, uh, well, how do you know this cool kid? I was first introduced to Sarah through our mutual friend Dave Gannett, who's a guitar yes. player, who I was playing with, and he was playing with Sarah, and he introduced us, and it's been all downhill since then. <laughs> Yes. And what do you compose? Uh, I Oddball Projects. Uh, my first album was called Aim for the Roses. Sarah sang on it. And it was a retelling of a story of a forgotten Canadian daredevil, a guy named Ken Carter who planned to jump the St. Lawrence River in a rocket car. And this story was told on top of a musical representation of 499 digits of pi created through multiple layered double bass parts. So I do things like that. Uh, just see, all of a sudden you're thinking, yeah, singer songwriter would be a bit cooler. For no, guy. what do you know? I'm. That's that's not. A, you may be a good composer, but you don't read people. For shit. <laughs> I was sitting here being impressed. So I'm going to translate that. It's basically it was an album that had actors and singers playing the parts of all the characters that were involved in Ken Carter's story, but. 
it also all of the musical content was create was created was generated by this man and his double bass. So it was all like layer upon layer of double bass tracks. And, but when you say four hundred and ninety one four hundred and ninety nine digits of pi. Digits of pi, like are you talking about the number. The, the number. number. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I figured out uh, through trial and error a musical formula that worked to turn each digit of pi into a note of a certain length and 499 worked out to about 45 minutes so uh yeah it runs start to finish i call it the pie line it runs start to finish and everything's kind of built on top of that is that uh, do you feel like uh john cage do you consider john cage uh like is this in that way like that he would do mathematical mathematical compositions where he would randomize certain things based upon uh, like something like that, so if, if, like a figure like pi, and then let the devil take the hindmost. Okay, that's the, that's it. That's what it sounds like because I'm going to obey those rules. Was it like that, or did, was that a jumping-off point that then you honed? That was kind of a ju- yeah. That was that kind of thing was kind of a jumping-off point because the first few formulas I worked out just went wildly astray at some point. Exactly. Like two or three hundred digits in, I was just screwed, and there was no way this was going to work. So I had to keep refining it and refining it and basically simplifying it. The first formulas I came up with were like two or three steps. And if the next number goes up from the one before, it does this. And, if it, goes, and it just, man, that, that none of that worked. It just it was like a spiral out of control. And uh, it ended up just having to be nice and simple. And still, it ended up being way too complicated in its simple state. But that is the musical part of that project. Yeah. And then there was, overlaid upon that, was the The story. story. Yeah. The great Canadian story of Ken Carter. And Sarah... Now, as I had to ask, is he PK or AK? I don't know what those mean. Otway? Knievel. Was he... (laughs) Oh. I thought we were speaking Was he Pig BK Latin. or AK? Before <laughs> Knievel or after Knievel? He was a contemporary of Evil Knievel. And in fact, Evil Knievel visited the jump site in Morrisburg, Ontario, where he was building this 10-story takeoff ramp and uh, gave his opinion that it was never going to happen, which uh, led to Ken Carter's great statement that he's always considered Evil Knievel to be the second greatest daredevil in the world. So they so they had a little bit of a grudge match, a little there was a competition. There yeah, you know, they worked the same circuit and I think there was a lot of uh one upmanship there and some tension. I'm sensing oh there's a lot of opportunities for Scheidenfreude <laughs> in that relationship. There's a lot of looking at the other guy failing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. It probably breeds a kind of weird weird kind of kinship. Like, you're rooting for him to fail, but then when he does, you're like, oh, I know what it's like to break a rib. But, yeah, I'll get get his bookings for the next month. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Opportunism. That's uh, one of the traits of those those kind of guys. Which one of them, do you you think they both claim that the character in Earthquake, the Daredevil motorcycle character from the movie Earthquake, was based upon them? Uh... I don't think Ken Carter would, but I think Evil Knievel would certainly. Uh, well, because it, it had it, to have been. Yeah, it had, it to, had to have been. been. Exactly. If they made a Canadian earthquake movie, it would be with Ken Carter. Exactly. And I would want to see that movie. <laughs> I would want to be in that movie. Well, speaking of movies. Oh, yeah. They made a movie out of this project. Oh. Which was called. Isn't that a nifty little segue? Yes. 
<laughs> Aim for the Roses, which, by the way, is, I believe, airing on CBC. His Aim for the Roses, like, because that's a soft landing spot? Like, yes, uh, the, his whole plan for, because he was going to jump from Morrisburg, Ontario, to Ogden Island, New York. And his whole plan for landing was to plant a bunch of roses because roses would make a soft landing. <laughs> and the title comes from this one line of his where he's looking at the island and there's a lot of trees on this island. And he says, you know, if we get into the trees, it's going to be trouble, so we got to aim for the roses. And that line from the first time I heard it just stuck with me as the perfect encapsulation of the whole thing. Please just... throw me in the briar patch. Exactly. Like, like, do you know what else is in those roses, dude? <laughs> Those little spiky thorns. Yeah. They're not good. That's not good. Yeah. So it was Bedlam. So they recreated this jump site, built an entire, like a huge ramp out in Mission, BC. On the banks of the Fraser River. Yeah. And found a 70s Lincoln, which they painted yellow and glued gigantic wings Onto the sides of the onto the doors, basically. What year was that Lincoln? I think it was a seventy-seven Lincoln Continental. Yeah, so it was gigantic. And then the terrifying part for me was the fact that, well, I, I mean, I was very happy to be asked to sing some background vocals on this album because I, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Mark Haney. Um, but then it turned into a a situation where all of the musicians that were involved in the project were now involved in the film. And the film was like <laughs> a huge kind of docudrama that involved these massive dance sequences, like kind of like a weird, quirky um, music video, basically. So we, we had to do all the musicians that had no dance, previous dance skills, had to do these choreographed dance scenes where we writhe upon the top of the 70s Lincoln in, like, fishnet stockings and shit. Neon so, green fishnet stockings and a cut-off jumpsuit. Exactly. Don't undersell here. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes. At one point, they were... <laughs> I remember very clearly at one point, we're rehearsing this... You know, they build the they build the scene on the spot, and there's all these like cameras on freaking like stilts and shit, and everything's, you know, they've got the dolly that they're building the track for, and we're learning the dance as they're putting together the shot, and we had to do this one particularly like saucy dance part, and I just kept fucking it up so badly where we had to like pull out our sexy moves on the top of the <laughs> of, of the car. And they kept on saying, Sarah, can you do it again, but sexier? And I'm like, why did you fucking get a lesbian to do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was brutal. It was brutal. And amazing at the same time. Anyway. And I'm assuming that this that there's video for this that I have... This is a film. Is was... there a video available that I can attach to this when I put Absolutely. this out so that when people are hearing us talk about it, they can click on it? There's a trailer for the movie on YouTube where cool. you can see uh, Sarah in all her glory. Well, then that won't be attached to this, folks. And so the film the film was in Doxa and in a number of different festivals. It yeah. was a featured film in Doxa last year, and uh, it's... It's on iTunes it's and on Vimeo On Demand right now. And this week it's on CBC. So this, is, 
So it's this is a new. This is just coming out. That's it's experiencing. It came out two years ago and did a bunch of festivals, and it just continues to have a bit of a life still. Got it. Yeah, got it. And is Ken Carter living? No, he died in the early '80s on a, a separate jump. His his car landed upside down, uh, and that was the end of Ken Carter. Unfortunately, Did that is that. Does that make? Is that in the movie? That is in the movie. Yes, they 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 fill in his story till the end. But I should say, when I was making the record, when it was finished, I visited noted psychic Raziel Ruz and got her to get in touch with Ken for me to make sure I had his blessing to do this. The best part about that is it was clear at one point that Raziel was confused about who Ken was and she thought he was a musician I admired. So she was telling me all the stuff Ken was saying that was clearly stuff one musician was. So, and we were videotaping this uh, for something to do and I had to stop her and be like, so... Yeah, he wasn't a musician. He was a stuntman. I think maybe you're not. And there's this long pause, and she's like, well, yes, he was, but in his heart, he was a musician. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, that's good. That's good work. That's good work. (laughs) Some of this shit is only funny to those that actually went through it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... I think we're we're ready to get your question for the Pop Oracle, All right. This is what I was thinking for the Pop Oracle. So uh, we all know being an artist is not an easy thing to do. Got to have faith in your work. Got to keep going. In Vancouver right now, it's harder than ever. It's impossible to find an affordable place to live. Venues are closing. It's impossible to find a space to work. So my question is the pop or- to the Pop Oracle is... How do we keep that faith when things are at their absolute darkest? How do we keep that faith when things are at their absolute darkest? Darkest. And now to engage the Pop Oracle, you get to spin the Wheel of Eight. Awesome. Na, na. Oh, sorry, I changed that wrong. Yeah. Na, 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 na. Wheel of it landed on eight so we're gonna have to do it again because it's already landed on eight so would you spin at the end of the let me go we oh, okay, okay sorry I, I'm, yeah. p- I'm picking it up now there we, we go. go all right and now to engage the pop oracle you get to spin the wheel of eight na 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 wheel of eight song one. number one Champion. Song number one. What? Say say your question again. Uh, as artists, how do we keep the faith when things are really at their darkest? Lay it on us, Sarah. Let's be bold. I need a champ, champ. 
champ, 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 champion. Come be my champ, 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 champion. Standing now before my eyes, I can see the one I know my heart desires. It's been a long road, dark and rough. I won't ever find someone who's half as tough. I need a champ, 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 champion. Come be my champ, 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 champion. From the cradle to the grave, all true hearts find their way. From the cradle. That was Champion from Sarah Wheeler. The answer to Mark's question, what can we as artists do to uh, to remain strong or to remain... To keep the faith keep in the what faith, we're doing. To remain hopeful in the darkest of times, I think yes. you said. And so, Sarah, this sounds like a song that might have been written at a dark time. It sounds to me like a song, like something that I might say if I was in a dark time. I need a champion. I'm mm. looking for. But tell us, tell me about where it comes from. Strangely synchronistic. Um, yes, this song is is about exactly that. Um, it's about uh, you know. Uh, I think I've alluded in previous episodes to the fact that I went through cancer treatment and uh, and my partner went through um, some serious health. Uh, uh, reconstructive surgery at the same time that I went through my um, challenges, and uh, this was so it was it was it was difficult uh, because we had to our families had to take care of us separately, and uh, and it was hard to you know 
need that person that is most important to you and but they were going through something at that time as well so um yeah it's uh I I I still think of my partner as as that that champion but mm-hmm. uh, but it was uh it was yeah the song is pretty much exactly tailored to that question <laughs> <laughs> Yeah So what did you think Mark I I thought it was oddly appropriate as well mm-hmm. I kept thinking about uh the importance of having someone to look up to someone either you're you know the chorus it's like sometimes be your own champion you want so but like you just you need you need to see someone getting ahead somehow someone having a victory like someone in your circle whether it's you or someone around you just you know like someone getting a fucking win every once in a while and uh yeah i guess that's what i was thinking is just maybe one of the ways to shed some of the the weight of hard times is to remember to celebrate the people around you a little more when they're uh when they're having their successes mm-hmm. that was kind of my thought mm-hmm. interesting i would take it even further in that i th- like seeing people have successes is is great but also since most of us, most of our experience is not the experience of achieving success, watching people survive and struggle, I mean, not necessarily struggle, but go through the hard times, even great, really talented, amazing, really amazing artists. I've I've had friends with over my life, through my life. And you realize that even at the, at the top of the heap, what you think is the top of the heap, there's a lot of struggle. I would even say that to those people, what they call struggle is very different than the struggle of anonymity when you have a lot more to say than maybe there's an audience to hear it. And so many of the people I've had on the show over the 20 years of doing it and just toured with, a lot of times the people that I'm most inspired by are the people who survive and make it work even though they don't have big wins. They go from small win to small win to struggle to, you know, to just keep, you know, and then next year they're back. You know, they don't quit. Sometimes right. those are the yeah. most inspiring people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and strangely enough, um, Mr. Mark Haney is, does a number of interesting things, but one of them is he uh, he's, he does... Um, how, how do you characterize what you do in the, in, um, in the cemetery? Uh, I put on public events based around music to create a community green space in the cemetery where I'm composer in residence. And the main one of those is summer solstice, which is a big music and dance outdoor celebration. Yes. You wait, wait you're the, you are the composer in residence at a cemetery? Mountain View Cemetery, the only cemetery in Vancouver. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yes. it's kind of fun. So the strange connection here that I was going to bring up is that um, my so Mark invited me on a couple of occasions to be a part of to to sing as a part of of the uh, festivities, which was 
very significant for me because uh, my grandfather was buried in that cemetery and I had never been to my grandfather's grave. And my grandfather died before I was born, but my grandfather was a jazz piano player who played with Nat King Cole and Sammy Davis Jr., Lena Horne, lots of different people. And um, Was your grandfather white? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm just, he just was playing with in with a lot of artists who had who were playing in segregated venues and things like yeah. that. So yeah, well yeah, he was uh, he he was from Vancouver and he played he like in that time um, the 50s and 60s like big touring acts would come through town and hire the local, the local musician, band yeah, yeah as part of their orchestra and stuff. Wow. Anyway, um, so I grew up. Um, kind of with like the, the, you know, I, I, the mystery of that character in, in my life and like musically, he's like huge in our family. There's lots of stories about him, you know, and, and, uh, and I'd never been, um, I had never been to visit, um, my grandfather's grave, uh, before and the experience of playing that, that, um, that musical uh, celebration that uh, Mr. Marcaney put together was um, was was really quite significant for me because, you know, my whole childhood I'd grown up with uh, stories of my grandfather as a musician and said, and you were talking about how uh, the person you know may have you know inspirational people and uh, they they may maybe it's a successful person or maybe maybe it isn't it doesn't really doesn't really matter sometimes it's just that we need to see somebody who is inspirational in in whatever way shape or form that they i mean he 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 was never a hugely successful like monetarily successful um musician but he played some amazing shows and and inspired me and um you know, well, I it makes me think of, of two things. One that like that your quest, the question you asked on Ford's show about the butterfly effect of being a songwriter, this story makes that even richer because the butterfly effect of your grandfather, who you never met, is still working through you mm-hmm. in that way. So that's kind of amazing. And then the other piece is when uh, I was talking with Veda about what you said about going to see her open for Alanis Morissette at the, what's the big center? The, uh, I think it was like a BC place or something. BC, I think I called it, I think I called it another name on the show. Cause I, I listened to a lot of baseball and I had Roger center in my mind, but that's in Toronto mm. anyway. So she was saying that after playing that big show, there are all these people in her family who thought, well, now you've made it. Yeah. But it's like if I saw you on stage, I saw someone on stage playing with Sammy Davis Jr., I'd think that they made it. How many times do you see someone doing what's a cool gig and you think because you haven't done that gig that that's that, – you know, that must be it. If you've, you've played on you know, opening for Alanis Morissette and Sloan at this big show or you've played with Sammy Davis Jr. or you were in the Ken Carter movie, like someone's going to see that and think – Oh, Sarah, she's she's huge. She's a movie star singing on a mo- singing in this movie musical, 
and they don't necessarily know the struggle. Like the people who see what we put out don't necessarily see the struggles. And in a way, that's good. They, people who just get to appreciate, wow, that person is doing something cool, as long as it doesn't make them make us feel jealous and less than if it inspires us. And I guess that's an all in how we do it, right? If you do it in a way that makes people feel like I can do that, then that's inspirational. And if you do it in a way that makes people feel like I could never do that, that's a different kind of inspiration, I guess. Yeah. And what, what is the definition of made it? Like if, if you're, if you're, original intent is a musical, you know, exploration, and that's what you're devoting your life towards, then, you know, Mark's question is such a valid question and kind of similar to the question that I was talking to, that I was asking when Ford uh, was in the studio. Um, like, yeah, because it can seem, it can seem like you're like crazy to choose to continue to go onwards with a career in music. Um past a certain age because you know everyone everyone kind of like gets out of high school they like you know all their parents want them to do these things so they're all signed up for like to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever the hell they're signed up to do and then er lots of people go like oh fuck i don't want to spend a whole life doing that and lots of people turn to music at a certain point around mid-20s i don't know if you had mm -hmm. this experience as well oh, yeah yeah so and then suddenly everyone's a musician and then <laughs> and then they're like whoa, whoa this is pretty tough and then and then people move into what they what you know their vocation for their their lifetime and they have kids and stuff like that and the people that are still left like standing yeah. after that like barnacles like freaking crazy ass barnacles yeah. they 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 all have like um reasons for continuing i think and that is what's interesting to me actually um i'm interested in why people make music um, more than the mu maybe well, more than the music they make. That's a question for another pop oracle reading. <laughs> Why? But I feel like that was a pretty good reading we got there. Do you yeah. feel like you got you you have some inspiration so. to walk with? Yeah, that was that was good. I yeah. like that a lot. Cool. Some serendipity happening. There was. There yeah. was. Well, I'm really I'm really looking forward to checking out the Ken Carter film, especially knowing now all of the the musical underpinnings of it. I really want to. I'd love to hear the the music as well. We we talk about all that. It, the whole album's in the movie. Oh. All the music, and we talk about it. And there's actually some nice animation that explains how the pie line works. And oh, fantastic! The the movie's actually better than the album at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, I, I I beg to differ. Well, the whole the whole album's in the movie. The movie just has lots More. of pretty things to look yeah. at. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show! <laughs>